Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week's parasha is Vayeshev. Vayeshev Yaakov settled. Uh, he dwelled. Yaakov is at a part time in his life where uh, his past uh, difficulties are more or less, or at least he thinks, are more or less behind him. He's no longer contending with Esav. He is no longer contending with Lavan. He's built a family. Uh, this is the family that uh, from which will come the Jewish people. And it would seem that he intends to spend the rest of his life uh, living in uh, as a settler in the land of Canaan, the land that his uh, father and uh, grandfather, Yitzhak and uh, Avraham, respectively, uh, only dwelled in. However, it was not to be, because uh, there is tension between uh, Yosef and the rest of the brothers. Yosef is 17 years old. Yosef reports on his brother's activities, and that uh, already uh, begins to uh, get the brothers uh, upset with him. Uh, and it's very clear that Yaakov uh, prefers Yosef above all of the other brothers. He has a special affection for him. Uh, he even makes for him a special garment, Ketonet Pasim, a special tunic. And so the brothers uh, very clearly uh, hate Yosef and they are jealous of him. Yosef uh, has dreams. A dominant uh, theme of Yosef's life is not prophecy, uh, it would seem, uh, but rather dreams. Uh, he receives messages uh, from Hashem through dreams and he is able, uh, with Hashem's help, to interpret the dreams of others, as we will see. Uh, at first, uh, in the beginning of the parasha, he has dreams about himself. And it's very clear that these dreams reflect the idea that he will one day uh, rule over the rest of his family. Uh, he has dreams of his family bowing down to him. The first dream is a dream of sheaves. He and his brother are binding sheaves in the field, and the sheaves of his brothers surround his sheaf and their sheaves bow down to Yosef's uh, sheaf. Uh, the brothers are very upset when he tells them this uh, because at least according to their understanding this is a uh, projection of the fact that Yosef regards himself as superior to them and that he will one day rule over them possible that Yosef feels that this dream is uh, a message from Hashem, and this is the way things are meant to be. His second dream uh, is a dream of the sun, the moon, and 11 stars, and they are bowing down to him. Once again, he tells uh, the brothers, and they are upset with him, and he also tells his father, and his father tries to dismiss it by saying, do you think that your mother and I will bow down to you? Uh, what the subtext that is uh, to that is that uh, first of all, Yaakov is uh, 
presenting to Yosef that uh, there's no way that he, the father, is ever going to bow down to the son. But what's more, uh, Yosef's mother cannot bow down to him because his mother is no longer alive. Uh, so the brothers continue to hate uh, and resent Yosef, uh, although Yaakov wants to see uh, how this will turn out. On a certain occasion, Yaakov sends Yosef to Shechem because the brothers are tending the flock there. Uh, he gives them the responsibility of going uh, to see how the brothers and the flock are faring. And so Yaakov sends Yosef to Shechem. Uh, when, Yaakov, when Yosef gets to Shechem, he does not find his brothers, but a man who is never named uh, helps Yosef uh, to find his brothers because uh, this man tells Yosef that they have relocated and they are now in Dotan. As Yosef approaches, a dispute develops among the brothers. Uh, one voice says, let's kill him. Let's kill this dreamer. Ruvain's uh, response is, instead of killing him, put him in a pit. Let's not kill him directly. Uh, and we'll leave him in one of these holes. But the Torah attests to the fact that Ruvain's intention is to eventually uh, come back and save his brother, Yosef. Uh, so they do. They throw him into a pit. And while, they're, uh, while that happens, the brothers sit down to eat, and a caravan approaches. And it's at this point that Yehuda uh, makes a different suggestion. Uh, what will we stand to gain from just killing him? Let's sell him. Sell him as a slave. The caravan is on their way down to Egypt, and we'll be rid of him. And so Yosef is sold as a slave to this caravan that is going down to uh, Egypt. When Ruvain returns to the, whole, to the pit, uh, he begins to cry, and he tears his garments. What can I possibly tell father? Uh, and then the brothers uh, get involved in a, an attempt to deceive Yaakov. Uh, they have stripped Yosef of his, of his garment. Uh, they dip it in, uh, in the blood of a uh, goat that they have slaughtered uh, to make it look like Yosef, that they discovered this uh, garment of Yosef, uh, which was, uh, and that Yosef probably was, uh, was attacked. That's what the blood seems to suggest. Um, and so Yaakov is uh, is deceived when he looks upon the uh, the special tunic, the Ketonet Pasim, and he sees that it is uh, covered with blood. He concludes, as the brothers wanted him to conclude, that Yosef has indeed been attacked by a wild animal, and Yaakov mourns, and he refuses to be. Uh, consoled for many, many years. Meanwhile, Yosef has been brought down to Egypt and he is sold as a slave to a man named Potiphar. It's at this point that the Torah uh, breaks off the narrative about Yosef and focuses on a different one of the brothers, namely Yehuda. So this is the second part of the parasha, uh, the story of Yehuda and Tamar. Uh, Yehuda separates from the rest of his brothers, lives in a different area, uh, lives in the area of Adulam, and he becomes friends with, maybe forms a business uh, 
with uh, somebody named Chira. And while Yehuda is uh, is living in this area, Yehuda, uh, Yehuda marries. He marries, uh, uh, his wife's name is Batshua, and uh, she bears him three children, Er, Onan, and Shelah. Uh, as they uh, as they grow older, uh, Er is old enough uh, for Yehuda to find him a wife. So he finds him a wife, a woman by the name of Tamar. But uh, Yehuda, but uh, Er is is bad, uh, and uh, therefore uh, he dies. Hashem uh, kills him. It's at this point that Yehuda tells the second son, Onan to marry Tamar uh, using the uh, special form of marriage called Yibum. Uh, that is marriage of uh, a brother-in-law uh, to marry the widow of his brother, provided that he died without children. And later on in the Torah, this will be uh, made as a formal mitzvah. There are some elements of this that existed even before the giving of the Torah, although there may have been uh, some differences uh, between the way it was done pre-Sinai and the way it was done post-Sinai. But Yehuda tells Onan to marry Tamar. However, Onan uh, does uh, does not consummate the marriage properly, and Hashem kills him too. Yehuda says to Tamar, well, Shela is still young. Wait for Shela to grow uh, before I can allow you to marry, uh, to marry him. But it's fairly clear that uh, Yehuda has no intention of uh, marrying off a third son who might die to uh, Tamar. And uh, so this is a, essentially a stalling tactic. In the, in the meanwhile, during the years that this is going by, Yehuda's uh, wife, Batshua, dies. And Yehuda goes to uh, Timna. He's going to uh, shear his sheep and... Uh, Tamar takes advantage of this uh, moment to uh, to put on a disguise, and uh, she presents herself as a prostitute. And as a result, she becomes pregnant by Yehuda. Uh, uh, but Yehuda had promised to uh, to pay her, uh, but uh, in order to make sure that he would make good on his payment, she takes three. Uh, identifying items as a kind of collateral, uh, items that are very much associated with uh, Yehuda. Then uh, afterwards, Yehuda sends uh, a uh, an animal uh, that will be the payment, uh, a, a goat, a young goat. Uh, but she is not uh, the the prostitute is not to be found. Um, uh, and as about three months pass by, it's discovered, it's, uh, Yehuda is told that Tamar is pregnant. And Yehuda thinks that this is a terrible thing, uh, that she has not waited for Shelah, even though the truth is that he had no intention of marrying her to, to Shelah. But he decrees that Tamar is to be executed by burning. As she's ready to be brought out to, to be executed, Tamar produces the three items uh, uh, that uh, she has as collateral, 
And she says, the owner of these three items is the one by whom I am pregnant. And it's at this point that Yehuda shows his strength of character uh, in which he admits that, uh, in fact, he is the one by whom uh, Tamar is pregnant. Uh, and he even acknowledges the fact that this happened because uh, he did not want to uh, do what he should have done, which is to allow uh, Shela, the third son, to marry uh, to marry Tamar. So Tamar is pregnant, and as it turns out, she's carrying twins. And there's a, descri- a description of how uh, one of the twins put out his hand, and the midwife tied uh, a string around his uh, hand, and then he pulled his hand back, and then the other child came out, and so they named him uh, Peretz, the one who breaks through, kind of pushed ahead on line. Uh, whereas the one who had this uh, attractive-looking string on his uh, on his hand was called Zerach, shiny. And so Yehuda has uh, has had two more two children, uh, these twins, Peretz and Zerach who are regarded as uh, equal to Yudah's other uh, child, Shela. It's at this point that the Torah resumes the story of Yosef. Uh, so this is Yosef in the house of Potiphar. He is a, uh, he's an exemplary slave. Uh, eventually, he even rises to the position of being the chief slave. Uh, and uh, the Potiphar... His master entrusts everything to him. Um, now, as Yosef is growing older, he's also very attractive. And the wife of Potiphar uh, makes advances to Yosef, and she tries to tempt him. And uh, on one particular occasion, he comes very close to succumbing. However, he escapes, leaving his garment in her hand. So once again, uh, garment is a, a key element of the life of Yosef. So Yosef escapes, and the wife of Potiphar accuses Yosef uh, of uh, trying to have his way with her against her will, uh, and so Yosef is imprisoned uh, by uh, Potiphar. Uh, the next section of the parasha is about Yosef in prison. Uh, Yosef is a prisoner, He's uh, and once again, Yosef uh, is able to, we might say, make the best of a bad situation uh, so that when uh, when he's in prison, he becomes uh, he becomes a, the, the chief pr- uh, prisoner. Uh, he is the assistant to the chief jailer. Uh, he has much responsibility, and he takes his responsibilities very uh, seriously. Uh, on one particular occasion, uh, the two servants of the king uh, are thrown into jail. They're imprisoned. One is the the chief wine steward, and the other is the chief baker uh, to to Pharaoh. And they are they offend uh, Pharaoh in some way, and they are imprisoned. Uh, one day, these two are uh, looking very downcast, very uh, sad and upset, and uh, Yosef asks them. Why are they so upset? And they say, well, we've had, uh, each of us has had a dream, and we are very disturbed by this dream, 
we don't know what the dream means. So he says, um, as he often attributes any of his own abilities and accomplishments to Hashem, that uh, God is the one who knows the interpretation of dreams. Tell me your dream, and perhaps God will help me interpret it for you. Um, the wine steward's dream uh, has him uh, squeezing grapes into a cup, which becomes uh, wine immediately, and he serves this wine to the uh, to the king. Uh, and Yosef says that this means that in three days the wine steward will be uh, reinstated. And then the chief baker tells his dream, uh, in which he has three baskets of bread and uh, other uh, baked goods on his uh, on his head, uh, and the birds come and uh, they are eating the bread from uh, from the baskets on top of his head. And Yosef says that what this dream means is that in three more days, uh, Pharaoh will execute you and the birds will come and eat the flesh uh, from your body as as it's being hanged. Uh, And this is exactly uh, what happens. Um, The wine steward is uh, reinstated and Yosef says uh, to the wine steward, remember me, you will have, you will once again have the ear of the king uh, tell the king that I am imprisoned here uh, unjustly. I was kidnapped unjustly, and uh, I am uh, imprisoned unjustly. Um, the baker, the baker is uh, is executed, uh, as uh, as Yosef says the dreams meant, and so the chief wine steward is reinstated. However, as the Torah uh, concludes this parasha. Uh, even though the chief wine steward uh, was placed once again in this position where he could speak to the king, nevertheless, nevertheless, uh, the chief wine steward uh, did not remember him. In fact, he forgot him. So this uh, this brings us to the end of uh, this uh, parasha. I'd like to return to the beginning of the parasha in which the Torah says that uh, Yaakov, also known as Yisrael, loved Yosef more than any of his other children. Um, he was uh, he was a very special child to him. He was a child of his old age, and he made him the Ketonet Pasim. Um, and the brothers saw that their father loved him out of all of the uh, all of the brothers, and they hated him. And then the last words of the verse, Velo yachalu dabero shalom." So, uh, something about speaking, not able. So, uh, Rashi makes uh, two comments here that I'd like to repeat. First of all, he understands, Velo yachalu dabero shalom." They couldn't bring themselves to speak to him peaceably. And Rashi points out that even though this is uh, this is disgraceful, that it's not proper uh, for the brothers to uh, to act this way towards their brother. At the very very least, we do learn something commendable about them, and that is that they were not hypocrites. They did not say one thing with their mouth and intend something else entirely. Uh, but Rashi also comments on the word dabero, and he says uh, that dabero means ledaber imo, to speak with him. You see, the verb ledaber doesn't usually take a direct object. 
and the O at the end of Dabro would normally mean uh, him, uh, so speak him, but that doesn't work because the verb le daber is uh, what we call intransitive. It doesn't take an object. Therefore, Rashi says that in this one case, the O at the end of the word dabero doesn't mean him as the object, but with him, speak with him to speak to him. Uh, and there are other Mephoshim, especially those that focus on grammar, such as the Ibn Ezra, agrees. But there is another way of reading uh, those words, and uh, the earliest uh, one who makes this alternative uh, way of reading it is uh, the son of the Rambam, uh, Rav Avraham, Rav Avraham ben Harambam. He reads, uh, he doesn't translate Dabro as speaking with him, but rather his speaking. And lo yachlu means they could not tolerate. So v'lo yachlu dabro l'shalom, Rav Avram ben Harambam translates as they could not tolerate his speaking, Yosef speaking for peace. As he explained, uh, as uh, Rav Avram ben Harambam explains, that even if y- Yosef tried to make the effort to speak in a peaceful way towards his brothers, this almost implies well, the Rav Avram ben Haramim doesn't say this, uh, but it implies that Yosef could tell that his brothers hate, hated him. Uh, but when he tried to speak peaceably, they wouldn't respond. They would not, they couldn't bring themselves, they couldn't tolerate, that's the way he translates Yaklu, they couldn't take his speaking for peace. And in this context, uh, uh, Rav Avram ben Arambam quotes a pasuk in Tehillim, uh, Ani Shalom, I am all peace, I'm all about Shalom, about peace. However, Vechi Adaber, but when I speak, they are for war. That's the situation, says Rav Avram ben Harambam, that uh, Yosef finds himself in. So according to Rashi, it means the brothers couldn't bring themselves to be hypocritical and uh, speak to him peaceably. And according to Rav Avram ben Harambam, and there are others who follow suit later on, but his is the earliest comment that I that one could find, is the brothers could not even tolerate it if Yosef tried to speak for peace. Indeed, this is a, uh, this is a family with a great deal of uh, difficulty, great deal of strife. And unfortunately, that's going to lead to Yosef being a slave, but ultimately it will lead to the Jewish people uh, finding their redemption in the land of uh, Egypt and the release from the land of Egypt. But more of that uh, as we continue in the Torah. I thank you very much for joining me uh, for this exploration of Parashat Vayeshev. This has been Rabbi Abraham Fisher for Parashat highlights and insights saying shalom.